0: The MX
1: Vice Show. All right, welcome everybody to episode 139 of the MX Vice Show. We have an action-packed show ready for you today as we look back on the MXGP of Sweden, plus chat about some silly season, maybe a bit of MXON, and look ahead to Arnhem. Before I'm joined by the great man Lorenzo Resto and the great man Ben Rumbold. We'd like to thank our sponsors for this one in Parts of Europe. Parts Europe distributes spare parts, accessories, and rider equipment for all motorbike segments in Europe. We support the sport. Tagline is fortified through the Thor and Moose house brands and their support of World Elite MX riders like Landon, Prado, Langenfelder, Guadagnini, Jonas, Bogers, and nine times world champion Thor ambassador, Tony Cairoli. Your Parts Europe dealer has access to all the big brands of your motocross, enduro bike, Nekan, Pro Circuit, FMF, ODI, Cycra, Renthal Recluse and many, many more are in stock and ready to be shipped. Check out their website at parts or contact your local parts europe dealer with a dealer network of over 10,000 shops. We're sure there is one close to you. All right, welcome to the show, Ben. How are you, mate? How's things? Thanks
0: for joining us. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, it's good to be here. Yeah, it's uh, really uh, looking forward to this weekend. And yeah, Sweden was a tricky one. Uh, I don't think anybody can type that as Grand Prix of the year. um, But uh, yeah, certainly coming up is exciting so yeah really looking forward to that and with the added bonus that uh, if i can drop this in straight away that i'm commentating for eurosport on the discovery plus app uh, so if you want to hear a, um a yeah west country boy get really excited about mxgp then uh, then you'll hear it then <laughs> yeah mate absolutely and it looks like
1: we've lost lorenzo at this point but yeah just tell us a little bit about the track mate the swedish track certainly divided opinion didn't it It was pretty one lined obviously the conditions didn't help so they were pretty up against it and but yeah, the writers certainly had plenty of choice words to say about it, most notably Roman Febrey. You know, he was, you know, obviously happy to get the you know, the finishing second twice. You know, he didn't get to extend the streak as he would have liked. But yeah, he was just saying it was one line everywhere even when we had both conditions wet and dry over the weekend, it just, you know, it was the same. So, and then in his words, I don't know what they are doing obviously, but this is not racing. I mean, like I think most of the races yesterday and today, there were no passes at all. This is not really motocross. So the only way you can get passes is a mistake. So your thoughts on that, mate, Are you sort of following that sentiment?
0: Yeah, it was tough to be excited. I, I spoke to the the Eurosport commentator, Jack brunacle but I'm, uh, standing in for this weekend because he's busy so i spoke to him about just uh general things you know preparation making sure you're you're ready for it and uh yeah he he said himself that he was really struggling to 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 commentate on it you know to, to make it exciting and to make it uh, uh make it watchable and um you know it's uh i, I think you i think he went a bit overboard on there's so few riders out there and that was something that was uh, definitely an issue in mx2 and it, it makes you wonder whether there was a protest going on about you know there was Decent numbers in Finland, and they always used to go out to Finland, across to Sweden, and then go back home, you know, successive weeks. But as it was, they went to Finland, back home wherever they were, then back out to Sweden again. So I think personally that's something to blame for the low numbers, which is the first problem. And then, yeah, the circuit itself. I mean, I must be honest, I cannot remember seeing a really good race around Rudaballa. Uh It just seems to be one that I, I'd never look forward to. You know, as much as I'm a super positive fan, you know, I, I, I'm the last person ever to switch off. I was, I was struggling, by hovering over that pause button, and I was like, ugh, duh, ugh. you know, even though now it's my job, you know, it's like I need to be on top of this. And so, I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing this uh, job next week, so I have even more reason to, to tune in. And even then, it was, uh, it was a struggle. Yeah, so I, I fully understand where the was coming from. um The track, I think you have just got to go with. What weather. The weather prediction is good enough now that you can predict what's happening. I mean, I know Felder said that his uh, his app sold in the wrong way. He said it was going to stay dry, so maybe the Swedish guys had the same app, and they thought it was going to be dry, so they ripped it and watered it, but um, it ended up with a circuit that, yeah, was very difficult to race on. You could see they were struggling. Um, it was hardly a spectacle, and um, that's a, a real shame because, you know, you've got the best in the world, and, and uh, you know, there, at times there was you know some some interesting racing, if you like. Um, But yeah, it was, it was difficult to say that it it was exciting because yeah, it simply was so difficult to pass for everybody. Um, So yeah, who knows? I think, I think lessons need to be learned, especially because they've also re-signed to be back there for the next three years. Um, So I just, I don't know what they can do to it, to make it, it always just looks drab. I don't know what it is about the place, but it always looks like, you know, it's in a quarry. It's nice when you see all the people in the banks um, but surely they can let some of them closer to the track and add some atmosphere to it because there's just something about that place it just looks dreary to me I, I, if, if you get a list of, of um, and I, I hate it because I've, I've got Swedish heritage man you know it's in my blood I want the Swedish to do well but it's like you know I'm I'm struggling there with, with that track. It's, you know, if there's a list of Grand prix I want to go to, that's probably on the bottom of them, you know?
1: Um, yeah, mate. Cheers for your insights. It's pretty interesting to sort of hear what you have to say, what everyone's had to say about it. So, Lorenzo, you're obviously there, mate. So, we've just been talking about yeah. track and February's comments and this kind of stuff, how it's not really across. So, how was it from, you know, being there in person, mate? How was it received? Obviously, there was a lot of negative talk. Was that sort of echoed on your end as well?
2: um it's uh, honestly it's difficult to say something about the track about everything uh, the people uh, over there are really passionate about motocross the first gp in sweden was back in 2004 i've been to all the swedish gp till that moment uh, and we have been there i think till 2014 or something every year um, it has been a really nice track in past uh, i was talking with people like uh, um, Corrado Madi, uh, like Michele Rinaldi, like people like that. They all told me uh, that the track was sandy at that time. <laughs> it's a, a granite quarry, so of course underneath is really hard pack. A little bit like it was in Vanta, because Vanta was really hard underneath then they put on top a lot of sand. So I don't know if it was a product of the quarry that they were putting on top of the, the track in the past, but like Madi told me, it, that was not a sand track, of course, but was much more sandy. <laughs> since the beginning, when I was there, the track was a really difficult track. First of all, it had a different sense. It was on the opposite. It was reversed compared to today. So, the big uh, finished jump, I remember it was you were jumping downhill. And that was honestly a really scary jump, one of the the, the worst in, in the calendar, because we we're just really jumping down uh, for, for really long. Um, but then they made during the seasons, during the years, several mistakes that uh, I'm sure about because the track started to be really muddy. Uh, if you remember 2012 as Tony went there with 50 points of advantage uh, on uh, his rivals uh, at that time the rival was um, Clément de Salle Uh, he lost two motos. the first moto uh, a a stone stuck in his uh, rear wheel in in, in the the chain in between the chain and the sprocket uh, the bike was completely blocked it was impossible to go on and to take away that stone. So he lost the first motor and Clement won. Then the second moto, Tony was jumping a little bit too far on uh, in an area that is really nearby the start. Uh, but when you come back uh, and he was stuck in the mud, the bike was completely stuck in the mud. It took like three hours with two mechanics to take away the bike from the mud. Uh, so Tony lost uh, again the second moto, and he he made two zero. What I think it happened only another time in his career, while he was racing without injuries, I guess. I mean, I uh, yeah,
0: it was stuck. Yeah, and, was
2: stuck there. yeah completely <laughs> stuck. Then Tony was young, not so young because it was two thousand twelve. He was already a champion a few times. The bike was completely blocked in, blocked in the mud. Uh, it was trying to just uh, get on the gas, but then the bike was even getting worse. Uh, he lost 50 points. Uh, Clement that day won the two motos. Uh, he earned uh, 50 points, and he was earning then the red plate because he won uh, one more race uh, compared to Tony at that point of the, the year. And I guess, I think, if I, I, I'm not wrong, because I, I wasn't checking the numbers, but we were seven races to the end. The race was a little bit earlier in the summer, and we were seven races uh, to the end. And I remember I was in a bar Sunday night with Tony and Lupino. Uh, we were just three. Uh, Tony is not used to drink alcohol during the season. Never, I never saw him drinking alcohol during the season. That day, he had a beer, a really innocent drink. I mean, that that not not drinking. Uh, I'm talking with an Australian and uh, with a British guy. <laughs> so you got that one beer, it's nothing. It's like breakfast maybe for you. But and Tony was, was just having one beer. Yeah. But it's uh, quite uh, surprising. It was quite surprising for me. At the time, I was working in Honda, who was supposed to be rival uh, somehow, but we, we were always together and already good, friend, good friends. And that night, that evening, uh, Lupino and myself were just trying to say, "Come on, uh, don't worry, uh, you will see, uh, uh, things will will turn around in next rounds," and and he was calm, completely calm and easy, and he said to us, I, "I will never forget this because it was first of all when he went back to the team, everyone was shocked. You know, you lose two motos, uh, you Tony Cairoli, you won so much already." And he was calm and he, and he said, don't worry guys, it's something that can happen, but we will uh, regroup. And he was consolating the team. He was the one who was just, just saying to the team, don't no worry, don't no worry. But that night uh, at that pub uh, that is in the city center in Udevalla, and it's still there. I, I try to go there every year when I'm in Udevala. Um, He was saying to us, you know, my only, I'm only concerned about the fact that the next race is not tomorrow morning. Because I would like to race tomorrow morning, uh, just to show who I am. Uh, but but no, it does not. It wasn't arrogance. It was just the fact that he was really disappointed. But in the meantime, he, he really knew his, his value. And he said, "But that's not, that's not a problem. I will." win every moto till the end of the season. <laughs> you can imagine we were just a little bit laughing, uh, but we, we could not laugh really because the, the situation was for us dramatic. So we were just like, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, we had, yeah, no worries, Tony, even if you don't win everything. And he was like, no, no, I will win every moto. Uh, of course it didn't, eh? because uh, it's impossible. But
0: he was... It, sorry to interrupt your mid-flow there. I found the numbers. He only yeah. lost one moto yes. Yes. the rest of the season.
2: <laughs> yes, I, I was coming to that. I think oh, it's 14, okay. <laughs> 14 motos. 14 motos, and, and he lost just one. He was second, probably, in one moto. For the rest, he won 13 out of 14 motos, if I'm not wrong. Uh, yeah, and, okay. and, all like, and at the end of the season, he said, it was a good one, but you know, I said that I want for all, and I didn't. So I'm not completely satisfied. But that was a time where Tony was able to do whatever he wanted, on a bike, on a track. Only a bike issue, bike failure, could stop him. But with the Carly, it never happened. If you see all the career of Tony, it happens one time, second moto, while he was crowned world champion in the first moto because he, he went a lot of rev and the mechanic didn't change the bike. They they were supposed to change the bike. The mechanic forgot. And, and that was, uh, the mechanic is still crying about because for, for them, it was just a, a question of uh, honor, you know? And and, in that, and it happened one another time, still in UK, but that was back in 2005, or four or five, uh, while he had a failure uh, uh, during uh, the the. Uh, probably was the last chance and he didn't qualify, but that's another story, but I mean, that was the power of Tony, and while uh, why Tony didn't want all the GP that year, just because uh, with the Carli, of course, he was able to manage his strength, to manage his power, to manage his skills, and to just accept the fact that if he was second, it was okay without forcing to be first at every cost. You know, he was just saying, okay, second is good for the championship today. Fifth could be good for the championship today. Doesn't matter. But the moment uh, he was, in he said, he decided to push, he won all the GPs and he won, uh, he won 13 out of 14 motos till the end of the season. So that just to remember sometime the numbers of a, a, a guy who at almost 38 years old uh, decided to have fun to go on a race uh, on the 15th of August uh, and to play with these kids, that are Liam, Sasha, and all the the others. And just to play, believe me, that it wasn't like I have to prove something. It was just, I want to play with the kids and have fun there, and yet, and while he was second on the first moto, everyone would say, "Okay, that was a fantastic result." But second moto would be a bit different because Tony, he's the oldest on track. He will get tired, and of course, he will. Anyone, so uh, he surprised everyone. Still, last time he was on a on a 50 bike. It was 2014 in Kegums for the GP of the Nation, and at that time he had a horrible uh, crash. And uh, and he, he was compromising even the the next season because uh, of that crash, unfortunately, of course. But we are talking about uh, a rider that was uh, riding uh, his last race, uh, really proper World Championship race in 2008. Uh, we are talking about another era, another time, another. And I don't know if we have to check the last time you, you won an MX2 race. We are really talking about Is Unbelievable. You know, Ed, that, uh, Ben told me. Well, please tell me <laughs> what race it was, because you know I, Ben.
0: Give me a bit of time. Hang on. I'll love checking it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that was... Just I want to, to say, yeah. say that, uh, West, that. It was, was
0: 2008, uh, yeah. 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 But yes. But Guess where he won in
2: 2008? It was before South Africa, that's for sure.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, Udevalla. <laughs> Udevalla, <laughs> incredible. Okay, surprise, yeah. surprise. Well, now the, the circle is closed as they, in, in Italy. So, Udevalla, <laughs> and is the, the guy who won uh, the most out of uh, the races in Udevalla together with another great champion like uh, Stefan Everts, six races each. But, uh, but, yeah, just to, to to say, to come back on, on where we, are, we were talking at, uh, it was uh, uh, the Udavala track. Udavalla was a little bit more sandy in 2004, four five. I remember I was there with Pichon. We won a race. We did a one-two with Pichon and Jorgensen, and, and, and uh, we had a lot of fun, I have to say. But uh, the track has changed a lot. Every year was a little bit harder. I still remember one year. I don't know if it was two thousand thirteen or twelve or eleven. Probably, it was raining a lot. It was expect a lot of rain. They put some uh, concrete powder on the jumps just to uh, avoid uh, too many ruts on the jumps. Uh, and then this kind of concrete was melting, going to the radiators, and many of the bikes were stopping that year because the radiators were full of uh, liquid concrete that was solidifying with uh, with the hat. So. They did plenty of mistakes during the years. So what they can do to do it better in the next three years? There are plenty of things to do. First of all, you can uh, bring there a lot of uh, new sand, uh, a lot of material, not too much uh, ground, because then we saw this year, the mud is uh, really um, difficult to ride. The the straight of the start was horrible. Many places were really difficult to, to ride properly. Of course, motocross is motocross. You can ride in every condition. You can do whatever you want. But uh, if they are able to mix it exactly like they did in Arco di Trento. Arco di Trento is quite similar. Underneath is really hard. You have a lot of stones. Uh, It's a proper art pack. But they put a lot of material on every year during the whole season. Not only for the race. To just maintain a a good soil. So they have to, to work hard. They have to work really deep the track and to bring new material softer and uh, that not that cannot transform only in mud. Uh, and then they have to to create uh, like some of the riders during the press conference were suggesting different lines, like they do a little bit in uh, in uh, national at the national. So when you do one corner, a big one, create two lines, one inside and one outside with a big burn. and the riders will decide and pick the line. I was with Jackie Vimon at the start of the second model and it was really interesting because he said, you know, uh, in a condition like that, uh, a rider who is leading or is second, third, fourth, fifth in GP and also in MX2 uh, will not create new lines because it will just make an advantage for the riders that are behind him. So he will just do the basic uh, safer line And everyone will just follow, because if you then are second and you try to create another line, uh, you will lose time and nothing else. So he said, in this condition, you cannot do nothing. Only the second riders, when they are really far away from the top, they can try to create new lines for themselves to ride better, to ride safely, and to, to just do a better performance. But the riders in front will never do this. Uh, so that's a problem. It's also a problem that is related to the fact that we have so many races with the EMX 1-5, EMX 250, and it's difficult to have the time to have a proper track. But for example, the fact that the, the, the start wasn't clean, I mean, was really horrible, because you can have mud, uh, but still, uh, when you have the time, you can work on the on the straight, but you need the place where to put this mud. You need the place where to let the water go out. The Strait of Udavalla is a place that just receive the water from the sky and keep there on the Strait. So uh, it, it it doesn't change. Even when it gets a little bit uh, sunny, the rest of the track is getting better because of uh, you have different uh, uh, cambers and off cambers of the corners, so the water uh, goes a little bit uh, out of the track. But the Strait remains exactly what it is. And in EMX 125 and 250, we saw a lot of crashes at the start, really dangerous crashes that we can avoid. We don't need more risk than uh, the one that the sport uh, requires because it's a fast and dangerous sport by himself. So it's not a a pure critic uh, because I know that they don't have enough time. But for example, they have a lot of beautiful machines there to work There's a place where there isn't a lack of uh, machine to work on track, but still maybe you need more people or you need uh, different timing. Of course, then a big rain can happen and you cannot do anything, but to be more prepared is important. And uh, when you sign such a long-term agreement, because three years in MXGP is a lot, I think that you need to have a really good plan for the track. So if I was the organizer, honestly, I will just invite a couple of good ex riders, maybe Tony Cairoli, Stefan Evers, whoever doesn't matter, and ask for advice. They know how to do tracks, that's for sure. They are motoclub, they have a track since 58, 1958. So they're not born today. They have a lot of experience. But the bikes are changed, uh, the weather is changing, everything is changing. So um uh, I, I will just ask for good advice to prepare on time a track that can suit well in every different condition, because we, it could be uh, a dry GP with a lot of sun, and then you need a, a good watering system, and it can be a very muddy GP, as we said, with a lot of rain, and then you need to prevent a little bit. Of course, then a mud race would be a mud race, a dry race would be a dry race, that's always but there are plenty of things that you can do. And, and in this case, I always not because I'm Italian, but be, I always take as a, a an example uh, Arco di Trento because it was a, a fantastic track, a beautiful view, whatever. But believe me, when I went there for the first time, for me, it was horrible because it was just stony, really hard pack, really fast, and to me, a little bit dangerous. But now they are working so much through the year that the track everyone loves. Uh, uh-huh. Arco di Trento, so
1: there is a reason why. Yeah, it's really cool insight there. Obviously, you being there, mate, it makes great sense. And Listening to you know Prado and everyone's comments, he did say they have all the machine with the equipment and just some of the obstacles yeah. they put in place weren't exactly great, and there was definitely solutions they were bringing up immediately after the race, and you've obviously spoken to all these you know established figures in the paddock, and they've said the same thing. So it's definitely a case that it didn't have to be that way, wasn't it, because it was such a pretty cool spectacle because the fans were all in. And it wasn't as though the track was bad because it was wet because the fever was saying it was the same wet and dry. So it was really interesting sort of opinions coming out of it. But the fans just talk about them because how good were they? Because they come out in force for that GP and they probably didn't get treated to the best show possible. But nonetheless, there was still some good racing. But just your thoughts on the fans yeah. and just the, the solutions moving forward. It's cool to hear that there obviously is
2: ideas moving forward and hopefully they're implemented. Yeah, it was, I mean, there, there were good races because uh, like the first Moto MX2 was a really good race. And even the second Moto wasn't that bad because we saw that it was possible to overtake. It was possible to having some duel on track. Of course, uh, <clears throat> I'm uh, every race uh, I'm seeing that uh, the most beautiful race are usually the MX2 now in terms of overtaking, in terms of... Uh, also, uh, the fact that the result is always a little bit uh, difficult to predict because uh, everything can happen, they can make mistakes more than uh, in MXGP. Uh, GP. Then, of course, uh, uh, Fevre is giving up us a little bit uh, to talk with the mistake he do uh, some while he's leading because I'm pretty sure that a Prado in his same condition in the first moto will never make that mistake uh Roman, we saw it uh, even while he was winning GPs. He was doing a few mistakes that cost him a lot of points, maybe not the victory, but a lot of points in Indonesia and, and so on. Uh, so uh, I saw beautiful races in MX2. I was talking with Andrea, I was talking with other riders about the fact that in the first moto, he wasn't able to come back so good uh, and he was stocking and even losing a position. In the press conference, he was complaining about the fact that uh, said I've, I was trying and then I lost even one position while I was trying. So it was better to to just stay and keep the the position. I, I wasn't on the bike, so I, I cannot uh, give a, a judgment and say, no, he's wrong. But I think that Andrea in the first moto was a little bit too nervous and too tense and his riding wasn't that good, like, you know, the situation like it was in the first moto, while he was really able to pass uh, other riders and to battle really hard with those riders, like uh, also uh, Simon was doing. Uh, I think in the first moto, it was a little bit like mm, battling with himself. I saw him in few corners doing few mistakes and then, uh, of course, trying different lines. But Sometimes it isn't working, uh, but but I mean, it was a good uh, news for him that he was able to do it in the second one. Uh, absolutely what concerned, the MXGP was a little bit boring. It was a train of riders all together going on. One of the few that was able to recover position was Alberto Forato. That was doing pretty well, also in the first moto. But for the rest, it was... Like, uh, plenty of those riders are like, I'm okay, I'm fourth, I'm fifth, I'm third, I'm okay, I'm saying that I don't take risk, I will finish, take good points, maybe going on the podium, Uh, but on track like that, it's really difficult to attack, Uh, and when you do, uh, you take the risk to uh, having a problem with your goggles, or having a problem with the stones, like Prado had, because Prado... uh, Finished the race, he was crying. He he went into the winner's circle and he was crying for the pain he has in his uh, left shoulder that wasn't luckily damaged, but it took such a big stone uh, throw from uh, Tim Geiser, uh, real will, that went completely on it, directly on his shoulder, and even his hand went away from uh, uh, the handlebar because the impact was really deep and he was crying. And I mean, probably uh, he's not the toughest guy out there. Uh, He's not, I could say, uh, a Jeremy van Ourebeck uh, who was riding without protection for his entire life, but still is a professional rider that knows what means a stone on your body while you are riding behind someone. But he was really in pain. Uh, So also this, in my opinion today, has to be a little bit more uh, uh, prevented, a little bit. I don't want then, of course, that uh, they take away all the stone one by one. But you can take away a few, the biggest, and this make also the track safer. And also, for example, uh, what we saw this weekend, I think at least six riders were stopping their races because of a stone in the chain or in between the chain and the spoke. It's something that can happen always. But uh, here it is happening quite often. So again, it's wonderful that we have uh, Udevalla for the next three years in the calendar. The public is fantastic. We have more and more uh, Norwegian, Swedish, Danish riders, really good riders. So it's, it's good for the public because you have plenty of people coming from Norway, from uh, Denmark, from uh, Finland, uh, Sweden uh, to come that come there and. The Public is really important, and Udevalla is since many years that is not so busy. Also, this year it wasn't that busy like in the past, but year by year I think it can uh, get better also because some of those riders will go to a GP like Orgmo, and there were a lot of uh, spectators there for him. So, if then uh, he will do a good uh, season next year, maybe we will have more crowds coming from Norvegia. that is just. Two hours uh, driving from Oslo, two hours and a half from Oslo, so I'm not so far. Um, but yeah, coming back on the quality of the races, of course, uh, those weren't um, the best races of uh, the season. Yeah, absolutely. And just, Ben,
1: your take on, obviously, Jeremy C, where he was another man that obviously got the starts. He's a machine on the starts. He's got more whole shots than Prado now. He's up to 11 on the season. And he said literally 90% of it was the starts in the press conference you provided me, kindly, Lorenzo. But, yeah, he said it was more of a mental than a physical race, this one. Just getting out front and then doing your thing was pretty much it, mate. So did you see that as well, Ben?
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it's a moment of history, isn't it, when somebody's overtaken Jorge Prado in the... Uh... Whole shot standings. I think that's the first time ever. I think uh, it's a nice little stat I'm gonna to have to research before the weekend. Make sure I know sure. if we can say that officially. I think that's right, Lorenzo. I've never known anybody yeah, sh- yeah. start m- <laughs> okay. Start more whole shot more than him. But uh, yeah, I mean I mean Jeremy's got form now, hasn't he? He's got a feel good factor because yeah, he won there. Um, the previous year, he won an MX2 back in 2019, the last one before COVID. There, so uh, you know, he's uh, he likes it there, and um, it's it's that sort of style, that sort of circuit is a sort of hustler doesn't seem to reward the sort of stylist, if you like. I mean. Jeremy Seewer scares me, and right? I think he might scare Bumps when he goes around the track because he just hits everything and like, oh my lord, how is he staying on? I mean, like you know, when I commentate on bower, I spent almost the entire race going, oh Jeremy, oh Seewer, what are you do? Oh, oh, both feet off the pegs. I mean, just crazy style, you know. So, I mean, God bless him; he's such an attacker. I mean, the poor Manning calls on the Smurf. I'm not quite sure if that's an in joke. I mean, I don't know where that comes from, but uh, yeah, he's he's all heart and he wears it on the track which is great so you know you need riders like that you need you need people to 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 make you jump and go oh my god and and show it to be as difficult as it really is so uh, yeah I mean he's again he's looking third in this championship a distant third and I think that's part of the problem that Lorenzo was talking about with the riders now there's such big gaps in the count in the in the point standings I mean you've got you know, 98 points between first and second. You've got another 69 back to third, then another 50 back to fourth. I mean, is this a sign maybe that what, we're at round 15 now? So back in the days yeah. gone by, the championship would be over or nearly over. Um, You know, maybe this championship is just too long or they need to change the point system. I really don't know. But it, it just seems to be, yeah, if people are settling with four Grand Prix to go, you know, it's it's a real scary prospect that we might have a bunch of those Grand Prix where not many people really push the envelope because ultimately there's no title to go for, or there's not going to be an immediate improvement if he just adds another two points here or there. So I'm really hoping that we don't see it like that the rest of the season. You know, they're going to go into this uh, Arnhem circuit, which uh, looks pretty savage in amongst the, the, the trees there. So I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, do you think that's, I the with the championship situation, Lorenzo? Do you think it's just a case of nobody can really now yeah. further their goals?
2: I think, honestly, that, um, um, that, that this year we had a problem, like it happens, uh, well, unfortunately, quite often in motocross, because I was always also talk, thinking about the point system and stuff like that, because we had now, since Germany, uh, six races, probably, Uh, With five victories from uh, Romain and one second place from Romain. So that's a lot. And while you think you did so, you probably think that your gap is at least half than it was before those six races. But in fact, uh, uh, Prado lost uh, probably uh, eight points in six races, never winning never winning a GP, uh, I mean. So there is somehow something that can be wrong. But in fact, I think that the real problem is a lack of good riders because of the injuries. Because since Germany, we were missing Erlings. We were missing Renault since, of course, before. We were missing uh, Guadagnini. Uh, We were missing... Uh, Geyser that while he's back now on track but he's not in the kind of situation where he can battle for the victory so at the end we had only two riders that were really able to battle for the victory and uh, Jeremy was half and a half uh, doing mistakes and everything so at the end those two riders were always contending the first and the second place and if you look at the six races most of the time Jorge is winning two out of the three motos with of course the qualifying race what puts in balance the points. And most of the time, I mean, one race, uh, uh, Romain do a couple of points more. The other race, sometimes is Prado that does those couple of points more, even without winning the GP. So uh, the points are a lot with 60 points. But in the meantime, with a lack of really uh, good contenders because of the injuries, uh, there is also a lack of possibilities from the other riders to take away the points each other. So, at the end, the two best riders in this moment uh, were, of course, Prado and Fevre, and they quite divide equally the first and the second places. And, and that's why, at the end, the points are not so different. But the championship is not so, uh, I mean, mm, exciting in the points. It's just, you know, you look at, uh, because every race can be exciting but the standings are like frozen since now a uh, few uh, GPs, more than uh, six, seven GPs. And you don't expect really to see something different. Only a big crash, an injury, and I hope really is not the case, uh, can change the result of the championship in this moment. For the rest, there is a really a good balance uh, and the riders are really good. So if you are looking for where was made the big difference, the difference was made in Spain while uh, Romain was uh, uh, on the ground in the, in the start of the qualifying race and he missed, so three motos so potentially 60 points and then at the beginning of the season that it wasn't that in, in that good shape because of the operation, he had other uh, arms at the beginning of the year. So uh, that's where he lost uh, those 100 points. We would say, just to, to simplify, that now the gap is, is similar. It could be, it could even be a fantastic championship without this gap uh, made at the beginning with two, three riders there fighting till the end with like uh, in 10, 20 points uh, in three, two, three riders at least. I think that without the injury in Germany, uh, we were talking in this moment uh, about a different championship with Jeffrey probably leading, I don't want to say easily, because he's never, we saw, he got injured, but uh, it was a different championship for sure.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Prado's done the two out of the three this week, last weekend as well. And, you know, we're sort of running out of superlative to sort of describe how good his season is. He's just so consistent, so on it, rarely makes mistakes all surfaces cheers to him mate with that beer you've got in your hand that's for sure and yeah he had a nice little battle with Geyser in that second one didn't he He was certainly copping some defensive tactics you could see him on the broadcast sort of cutting him across and he mentioned that too so that was kind of a cool little subplot watching those sort of former champ from last year and the the soon to be crown champion have a little tussle made a nice little subplot there and yeah, just yeah. your thoughts on Jonas, obviously, him getting back in the racing was great to see. Obviously, they had a little warm-up, him and Hurlings at Gaeldorf in the, in the mudder in the ADAC the weekend before, mate, so that was a good precursor for them. But yeah, he was riding around without goggles in that second one, so showed his class on the mud riding, and just really
2: great to see him back out. There was another guy in that top five, wasn't it? Yeah, he's another world champion on the starting grid, and that's always a good idea. Uh, to put another world champion on the starting grid. Uh, the rest, it was riding very well. It was, uh, but this race wasn't really uh, telling the truth because uh, then it was so important to start well. Then we saw that uh, with a good start, he was able to stay there. Uh, so I'm not saying that uh, that Paul is not a good rider because he's a he's uh, a really good rider. But uh, um, I'm saying that on a track like that, it's difficult to make really. Um, uh, a judgment about how is Pauls Jonas in this moment. Uh, as Lockett uh, we saw with him, it was so good in practice. Uh, but of course, uh, uh, it was a little bit easier physically. So we will see in Arne uh, what Pauls will uh, will do and can do in this moment of his season. For sure, it was good to, to have him back uh, uh, doing good races. The race in Germany was uh, horrible. I mean, horrible. Uh, It was really second moto, unbelievable. And the third was cancelled because too much mud. Uh, Again, it wasn't really a motocross uh, uh, race, as also uh, Jeffrey said in the interview. But uh, in the meantime, uh, the skills of a rider uh, uh, make the difference. Because while you are really good in riding in this condition, keeping uh, the head uh, cold uh, and just pick the best lines and being out of the trouble, it's uh, a big talent uh, and uh, and it's really important. And it was a, a, quite a good preparation then for for the race in the mud uh, in uh, in Uddevalla, even if the track was completely different. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I'm happy that Polski is back because uh, as I said, we need more good riders, also because his teammate this year was really inconsistent and uh, and his riding wasn't really uh, at the level of last uh, season. And it's important, I think, for the team and for, for the manufacturer to prove that this bike uh, at least is a good one. And uh, every, everyone not, but a good rider doing a good job uh, can uh, make a good result with the bike and uh, with the team. And that's really important for them because many were start thinking maybe there is a trouble with the bike, even if uh, Jeremy Van Oerbeek proved uh, uh, that it wasn't like that because he was uh, always in top eight uh, at every time he was on track. Yeah, he's certainly impressive, wasn't he? And just for
1: you, Ben, how good was it to see Maxime Renault back out there, mate? Obviously, he's had that long layoff, few months in Spain, had that nasty injury with the foot and yeah, he was obviously pretty rusty coming in. Obviously he didn't get as much preparation time, but he just wants to get back out there and sort of prime himself for motocross the nations and for next season, really, because he should be a legitimate contender like he was planning to be this year. So yeah, it's just a sort of a tough one, I guess a good test for him to get back out there, but he's definitely one for the, you know, next 10 years, isn't he? He's going to be there and thereabouts and just good to have another contender back. And I'll let you go afterwards, Lorenzo, because we should be getting Guadagnini back pretty soon too
0: yeah for sure i mean um yeah to see uh, renault back out there is great again another world champion on the uh, on on the line like you said the lorenzo is just a, a, another top class rider to get out there and um it's all building isn't it it's all building to renault this is what's happening isn't it hurlings is getting better tim's getting better you you know renault you know the french fire is going to be there for sure at Rene. so yeah can't wait for that and uh Yeah, I mean that's that it seems to be like it's these these next few Grand Prix are gonna be a case of, you know, we've got the two five time world champions. I mean the second time in history that we've had two five time world champions actually having five world championships under their belt whilst racing now. And that's great to see, but they're not they're not themselves, are they? They are not those people yet. So I'm not sure whoing says he's gonna be fit for Arnhem, which is great. I mean Jeffrey in the sand is always a treat for any uh, any fan of of the motocross, really. So, uh, you know, that's where um, we're really looking forward to this weekend. And yeah, I mean, Rameau, he is one of those. He's got the heart and the determination. You know, his, his MX2 title, he showed that, and he was starting to get back up there again. Obviously, um, you know, with his uh, his results soon in the season. So, yeah, it's for me. It just at the moment, it's kind of just watching their progress and seeing who is actually going to be right at the top uh come uh, come the nations because we know the two lawrence boys are going to be there uh i think chase is going to be there certainly that uh Lars from hrc said that bikes are going to be made available for all three of those boys uh and they they honda like the nations so they will want their riders to be there so that that's great news um who's going to join chase we don't know um who's going to join the lawrences we don't know that could decide it all you know it could be like uh like the Dutch at Red Bull all over again. I'm sorry to turn this into a Nations preview, but I'm just getting excited for that. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be entertaining. But, yeah, it's good to see Renault back and um, and Jonas and, yeah, people like this. It was good to see Jonas get a start, you know, for somebody who's rusty. He was right up there in the first moto as well. So, uh, yeah, like you say, he's got yeah. no excuses because the Jerry man has proved the bike could do it, um, which is good, you know. You want an incentive when you come back from injury. So that's uh, that's good to see. And I'd, I'd like to see the the MX two world champion pulls Jonas back because I think he was starting to get there. And uh, you know, there's hope for that guy still in the second half of his twenties. I think he is now. So, you know, he needs to be um, getting back up there again.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And Lorenzo, just your thoughts on obviously Renault and Guadagnini as well, hopefully coming back soon, because it will be good to have another guy like him back on the gate. because he, You know, that effort in Spain was just so impressive, wasn't it, where he got the podium and, you know, he really looks so comfortable riding it up with those heavy hitters and he's great on the hard surfaces there in Spain. So it would be interesting to see probably when he gets back to Turkey, a track that should suit him well. So I think everyone's pretty excited to have, uh, I guess, Prado's teammate back and he's always a good guy to have around, bringing the vibes, bringing the energy, lots of fun, lots of laughter, mate. And another Italian's always good with the nations coming up, coming into form too. Yeah,
2: I think it's uh, it's important first of all for him because uh, he needs to to come back. It's now really long time, and it's out from that GP in France. That is still uh, uh, that such a bad memory for me. Uh, but uh, Mattia is able. was able to come back uh, already on the bike uh, a few weeks ago on the Enduro bike. Now he's riding and practicing with this bike things are going well. Uh, He's happy and that's the most important uh, while you are recovering and pushing to don't feel any pain and to be able to just to do your job having fun. I don't know when he will be back. Turkey is the first uh, place where uh, we can uh, expect him. If not, I think Majora will be the track. Majora is a place that he really loves. He won there the first race in MX2. He grabbed his first and only at the moment, red plate in a mix two in that race, uh, while the, the the rain was uh, was flooding on the track. Uh, but um, yeah, Mattia have not really the time to prepare perfectly for uh, the Nations. But uh, yeah, if he's able to do at least Turkey, Majora, and Matali Besin, uh three races before uh, uh, Erne can be can be good. Uh, I mean, can be good enough to then uh, being in the team uh, alongside with uh, Alberto and uh, Andrea Damo. What can make a good team? The nation, we know, it depends always about things. It's not only about good riders or or a good moment, but still it can be uh, uh, a good one. And if uh, Mattia is really free to ride as you want uh, without any pressure maybe he is uh, also someone that can do it pretty well. I was gonna ask uh, the if Maxime...
1: they're called in Italy for Coroli to get on that nation's team if Mattia's not quite is
2: that happening? <laughs> <laughs> you, beat oh. you beat me to it, you beat to it. a uh Antonio doesn't like so much that track. He doesn't have uh, that good memories there. And it's not the kind of track that really suits him, uh, like was Saint-Jean-Angeli also. Of course, he won probably a couple of times, but it's not the place that he's in love with. If it was a, a nation on the sand, who knows? Maybe he could also take the uh, the uh, the challenge and to say, OK, why not? I can help the team. Uh, I'm the oldest, but it's OK We so many time uh, uh, guys like Leo uh, doing it and doing it pretty well, pretty well so why not but I don't think it will be the case this year uh, and coming back on uh, on Maxime uh, Maxime Maxim is a super talented guy he's one of the few that really uh, wants probably more than many uh, to succeed and to, to fight for that title in 450 uh, he was training well uh, race are a bit different but It's just, I think Udevala was just a question of start. So with a very good start, like uh, Polsky did, uh, he could be maybe able to finish in top five and the first moto. Second moto was already very, very good because with a good start, he was able to stay there and to to fight in front. So uh, I think that also for uh, for him, the next call in uh, Arnhem uh, will be important, but... Not so much for the title and stuff like that, but to see how he is at the moment uh, Maxime Renault, uh, and mostly for the nation. Uh, it would be important also for uh, um, the, the the manager of the France uh, team and for Gauthier uh to to decide who we'll take because there is Fernandez is in uh, living a good moment in the moment uh, now in uh, in America. Then of course Roman is a top rider and. Uh, they have to pick a good rider in MX2 and at the moment it's not easy because, okay, there is Vial of course, uh, but uh, probably Marc-Antoine Rossi without the injury it could be a good pick uh, for uh, for the team, but he's injured at the moment uh, and uh, I cannot see when he will come back, uh, so it's not that easy.
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. There's a lot of chat about obviously the selection there. There's always some dramas throwing up and do you think Beneston is the favourite for that MX2 spot at the moment, or and yeah. he's obviously not in good nick? He's struggling. They're all sort of not at their best moment, are they? So it's going to be interesting
2: what they finally do. Yeah, it's supposed to be the peak for the easiest uh, peak at the moment. Uh, I mean, in normal in a normal moment, but in this moment he's injured, and there were a lot of uh, rumors around him in uh, uh, in Udballa. Uh, because uh, someone said that he was posting pictures in holiday and not training and stuff like that. So uh, it looks like uh, uh, there was something, some trouble inside the the Yamaha squad, but maybe there were just rumours because people love uh, to to make rumours always and even more in this moment of the season. Uh, I don't know where he is with his injury at the moment. Honestly, not many knows because he's, they are not speaking so much. He's a little bit like Iago. We don't know really uh, what they found out uh, with the operation. I guess it wasn't that good because otherwise uh, they we, we, we will, uh, I had already uh, a press release saying that he could be back in the sand uh, or something like that. Uh, it looks like it's not the case. So I don't know, honestly. Where those uh, riders are in this moment with their injuries. Yeah, so that MX2 class has been absolutely
1: decimated. Obviously, you only had, well, you had no Nestan guys in the actual race because Coonan had that horrible crash <laughs> earlier in the weekend. But yeah, it wasn't a great sort of advert for it. It's just a bit of bad luck, really, not having them all out there. But before we touch on that, just Ben, your last final thoughts on MXGP made a uh, sort of some uncharacteristic, you know, performances, obviously. Fernandez is has obviously beaten up pretty bad from that crash. It's really good there was no severe damage that he can still race. And guys are just, yeah, tough, not the greatest starts. And he's just still building back, focusing on next year. And even Velandrin coming 11th, that's very rare to see him outside of the top 10 this year. Might even be the only time in the overall that he's been outside of there. And then Evan had a bit of an up and down weekend as well. So anything that caught your eye you'd like to share your thoughts on there, mate?
0: I think I never wanted somebody's chain to come off quite so much. <laughs> I would say the same as same as what happened in Herning. This just, just Prada needs it. A- Prado needs a problem. Everybody needs Prado to have a problem or two, I think. That's, uh, that's uh, what we're praying for now as journalists to try and make it a bit exciting. I mean, we never wish to wish ill on anybody, but just, you know, a mechanical yeah. problem, getting stuck in the mud like Antonio did, something like that would have been <laughs> fantastic, you know. Just, just just to get a bit more interest in the championship would be wonderful. But, uh, yeah, the, the interest is going to be seeing them build up now, uh, like I said, for for Renee, So that's, that's, that's the main thing for me. And, uh, yeah, I mean... I'm very interested to hear these rumors about Benistan about what's quite <laughs> happened there. That's very strange. But uh, yeah, I mean, MHTP. I'm just thankful that the entry list looks nice and full um, for, for Arnhem. And uh, we're going to a soundtrack. I mean, I've only seen pictures of it. There seems to be a, in and out of some trees. It, I think uh, as Jack Brennickel, the commentator for Eurosport said to me, he's hoping for a lure up, but fearing it might be more like Assen. Um, so uh, hopefully it will be more, you know, a traditional Dutch soundtrack, and we can get some really nice deep lines and some trackside spectators to get some atmosphere going. So uh, yeah, that's that's really what uh, the things across for the rest of the year. That I think they just need to forget their championship positions, dig in, and maybe it's good that there's a bit of city season rumours that maybe you know people are actually starting to perform for their rides uh, more than they are for their championship
1: position moving forward. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And just to talk on Simon Langenfeld or Lorenzo, how good is he in the mud? And he's good in the sand. He's good in the heart. He's good in everything. He's just a great young kid, mate. And he's probably going to be the prime contender for the championship next year, I guess, if he pieces everything together like he has been. We can't forget he's not long back from that broken arm, really. So to be doing this well, pretty much podium every round since he's come back from injury, it's nothing short of impressive, isn't it?
2: Yeah, uh, Simon uh, was uh, doing his preparation in a good way. And I have to say that uh, at the beginning of the season, everyone was surprised. I mean, inside the team, the ambient and uh, around him that the results were not like expected. Um, and I saw also him. It was a little bit disappointed because I was surprised about the speed of many others. That was a little bit on, a, again, a different level. Then it was working very hard uh just head down and and working hard on the tails on pure speed uh, on stuff like that and he was able really to to come back in a fantastic way in Spain on the top of the podium his second victory uh in career uh, it was something really well done with all the other riders on track with the Iago Gers with uh, so it was a uh, The value of this uh, victory was really good, uh, really important also for him and to understand where he was. Uh, um, It wasn't this year a title contender at that moment in Spain because Iago had already so many points of advantage that it was difficult to imagine him uh, fighting for the title. But then, as we saw, everything can happen. Uh, The injury uh, was looking like a, a huge stop that could really... Uh, destroy completely his season. In fact, he he can easily fight for the third place overall like he did last year because on the standings, the gap from Iago is not that big uh, and uh, is there uh, and he's uh, one of the few that is riding better in this moment. Uh, I think that uh, he was able to put all together and... uh, OK, strange to say this, but maybe that injury was uh, useful just to regroup and to uh, take away that kind of pressure that he put on himself at the beginning of the season because he wanted to be a title contender. I remember talking with him and he said, you know, when you finish third in the previous season, of course you want to fight for more and not for less and even not for the same. So it was really going for uh, the title uh, in his head and uh, while this wasn't happening, it wasn't easy to manage with. As we saw last year with Mattia, that probably wasn't thinking to fight directly for the title, but at least for the top five at every race and for the podium uh, almost at every race. Uh, this wasn't happening and uh, we know the story. But um, Simon had the ability to put his head down, uh, keep working. The team was stocking behind him uh, in a good way and helping him in a good way like they do normally. And Simon now has proved that he's really one of the fastest on the pack on the sand uh, everywhere, uh, and he's putting together all the pieces, you know, and uh, I am expecting him in uh, uh, in the sand uh, to be a contender for the victory, for sure. Uh, because he's uh, he's able to do and uh, in this moment he's living really is good moment good life, good moment, happy relaxed, uh, uh, no pressure Uh, there's no contra to talk about, there's nothing to talk about there's only to enjoy the last few races of the season and to do as best as possible Uh, and also there for the nation it depends because who will be in the team with him uh, Max Nagel is riding pretty well. We saw him uh, yesterday. He was doing a good job uh, and is doing well also in the German Championship. So who can be uh, nearby him in the team, still have to say, but it can be a good team, uh, at least with uh, two thirds of the team in a good shape. Uh, we know that uh, Ken will not be there. but. Uh, uh, maybe Tom Koch uh, can uh, can do it uh, and uh, sometimes he's, he's doing pretty well uh, like we saw in a few of the races during the season so it can be uh, a, another good team.
1: Yeah well said mate it's looking like a yeah, combination of Koch, Spees, Nagel, Langenfelder and I spoke to Simon and he was always hopeful that Ken might just pull a Swifty and say that he's doing it it'd be so cool to have him there and just create so much buzz with all the WX stuff and obviously he's yeah. not going to race the last few nationals it looks like so yeah it's sort of it looks like his schedule's pretty much just super cross-focused now but be cool if that was a surprise mate and just, Ben, for you, Liam Everts, another man that shone on the weekend. I suppose all the Red Bull KTM guys did pretty well, really. They had a pretty solid weekend. They must be happy with that. But, yeah, Everts, you know, he's just building nicely. He's like the Mr. Consistent at the moment, always on the podium, even when the riding's not the greater, he's not feeling the best. But he clearly loved the mud and those conditions. And interesting to see him sort of make that comment. I'm not going to let my teammate off the hook just yet, even though he's got quite the gap. So your take on him, mate?
0: Yeah, um, it's um he presents the biggest challenge to any motocross commentator do not say Stefan um <laughs> but yeah he's um he, he's brilliant I mean he's, he's so good to see it is like watching a clone out there I'm sure that uh there's been some experimenting there we know how influential the Everts family are you know they get into the, with the scientists and you never know but um yeah he's uh yeah he's stunning I mean it it was that old sort of feet up style and I think that whole team is the same. Adamo and Langenfeld are all riding the same sort of way. Uh, just, yeah, on the pegs, just making sure not overriding. At times, it almost looks boring because, yeah, they're, they're not the seawir with the legs everywhere and making it look like it's maximum effort. But, you know, it's much, uh, much more difficult to ride like that than, than it is to just to get, <laughs> pin the gas out and let your legs flap around. So, yeah, it's as a, as a fan of seeing technical riders like that, it's, it's great to see. But, yeah... It, I mean, you could say he's slightly being, slightly being benefited by the other riders' injuries around him, but this is motocross, so, you know, you, you take your advantage when you can, you take, you, you take your positions and on, and on you go. So, uh, yeah, he's building. He's building nicely. And um, I'm really hopeful for 2024 in this class because, you know, every time somebody has done well, they've then fallen out of it. You know, it's happened to Yago obviously, at the start of the year, then Langenfelder won, then got injured, Kyder Wolf one then got injured. Lucas and won then has had issues as well. Van der Moosdijk as well is another one that uh, has just sort of tailed off a little bit. And it's just such a shame um, to see less of a challenge to Adamo because I think Adamo, if a, Adamo's building the confidence as well, you know, that, that second race to hold off Langenfelder right to the end was was a champion's ride. And uh, yeah, this he's, he's doing what's necessary. Next year could be a completely different story. He's going to have to really hang it out if all of the guys stay fit, of course. So uh, yeah, that's, that's the the biggest challenge really for this one. Yeah, well said, mate. And just,
1: yeah, Lorenzo sort of closing thoughts on MX2 as we sort of wrap this one up, get close to the hour there. Just, yeah, pretty cool stuff from Elzinger. Just, yeah, getting one of his best performances going. That's for sure might even be his best one. And McClellan with another fifth yeah. overall there, obviously backing it up from Lockett almost a month ago now probably. But yeah, he's sort of building some nice momentum towards the end of the season. And good to see Braceras in seventh, just behind Sasha Cohen in Stix, who continues to make strides. Every and really, he's getting stronger and stronger. I wrote an article last week and, you know, it sort of mentioned quotes in there from Cairoli about how he just want him to be patient because he's just so impatient. He wants everything now. He wants to go fast now. He wants to win now, like his brother. So he's, uh, as we say, the little pocket rocket, mate, it's finally coming together for him. And could we see a podium for him by the end of
2: the season? Oh, uh, That's uh, that's a good question. Um, Udevalla was, uh, was the race, one of the race of, uh, the best race of many, many of those riders. As you said, uh, Rick has uh, had his best race uh, of the year of his career in MX2 till now because it's a rookie season. Uh, Ken McLellan, I think it was on probably the best uh, race of the year. And uh, same was for Sasha Kunen for Braceras uh, gifting with uh, probably the best race uh, of uh, the year, like Vekman So most of those riders were really uh, having fun and, and doing uh, their best, of course, as uh, Ben said, uh, uh, there are a lot of injured guys. That's is for Andrea, but also for the other riders. Uh, so they are a little more free to do a little bit what they want uh, on track, uh, without three yeah. Usquarna bike on track, three factory rider, three riders that yeah. can actually win uh, a, a GP, uh, and you can uh, count on them to win a GP during the season, or more than one, or contend for a title like it was for Kaida Wolf, uh, the case uh, this year. Uh, so I think that uh, uh, those riders are living a good moment uh, also because of the injury, but also because they are getting into more experience through the season, uh, through the first season of uh, uh, their career in uh, in MX2. I'm talking, of course, about Sasha and Rick Zinga. Uh, expecting them on the podium, uh, Elzinga could do it probably in uh, in the sand in Arnhem already. Uh, he was third in uh, Udevalla in race one, and he, why not uh, being third in uh, in Arnhem? And for what concerns Sasha, there is still a little bit uh, a lack of uh, physical conditions. I mean, it's so light uh, when you see him on the bike and riding. Honestly, it scares me more than uh, sewer because uh, the the kid won't won't. So badly to 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 succeed to win to be in front to do at least uh, what is rather uh, do uh, a part of crashing, uh, and and is trying really hard, you know. But many times I see that little mistakes come not only because of his fault, but because it's too light uh, and it's not enough powerful to keep the bike. You know, uh, even the two fifties uh, when you see. Uh, A rider like Liam in this weekend uh, was riding so clean, so perfectly technically. He was looking, honestly, in first model, a little bit like his father. Now I don't want to put always the the, the same uh, uh, father and son story, but it was great to see him riding so well. For me this year, Liam is a surprise almost at every race. Uh, uh, First of all, as I never... Uh, I always said really clearly uh, I'm one of the few that uh, was wrong on him because um, I said at the beginning uh, of his career that I'm, I was not sure about his talent. Uh, I was probably more sure about the fact that someone else won so badly that he's a motocross rider and was pushing, pushing, pushing. But I have some few things honestly to uh, change my opinion and my mind because uh, is riding really technically? Uh, it's not a question of uh, pure talent; it's a question of pure technique uh, that helps a lot. Also, avoiding the risk uh, because uh, he's one of the kids that is uh, doing less mistakes than the others. And the character uh, in the press conference—it uh, was so determined to just be clear with his teammate, without uh, you know masking or just being fake. It uh, was easily say, "I will." do your life uh, uh, <laughs> tough till the end of the season. Uh, I will do whatever I can to, to contend uh, the title with you. and um, I will not stay here and just wait. And this kind of question came up uh, uh, also in Finland uh, while I was asking in a press conference. Uh, I was saying, not asking, that it was nice to see that there weren't uh, uh, team orders at the moment in, uh, in KTM. Mm-hmm. And he said... Oh, there will, will not be probably team orders this year because uh, never, nobody knows what can happen. And uh, in any case, it's too early. And I, I'm not sure that uh, eventually I will uh, accept team orders on this way, in this way. So uh, it's it's nice. It's nice because uh, it's, uh, Liam is growing and he's showing his character, he's showing what he wants, he's showing that he's there because he's Liam Everts and not the son of Stefan Everts. So I'm really appreciating him also as a person. I'm working closely to him with him, like with the, all the KTM riders, and I have to say that it's fantastic to see the kind of atmosphere that there is at the moment in the team. Uh, we have always to remember that uh, this team is like a phoenix, is uh, re- reborn on on the ash of the old team because last year it was on the lowest moment possible. And they won the title uh, because they make an incredible effort alongside with tom vial but last year they arrived with no mx1 rider mxgp rider with jeffrey badly injured uh one other rider passed away unfortunately uh, that was Rene uh, uh, renee offer and it was a tragedy for everybody and they had only one rider while they were announcing uh in, in czech republic that the team for 2023 Half of the paddock was laughing, the other half was saying Dave wrong. At the moment, they are first and second in the standings. To me, it doesn't matter that they are injured, either. They are first and second in the standings. What means that they are doing a fantastic job. Then, of course, if uh, uh, Iago wasn't injured, if Kai wasn't injured, if Lucas wasn't, everything can happen. But also, you know, uh, uh, if, if I had three bolts I was a flipper but uh, I have only two and I'm a human so in the same uh, if they are first and second in the standings this means that uh, they are doing the best job a better job than than the others uh, so head off for them uh, they bet on young riders uh, remember that this bike was criticized last year like the Worst ever KTM 250 on track and uh, in the shop. At the moment, uh, everyone wants a 2023 uh, KTM 250 because it looks like the best performance bike uh, out there. So uh, what to say? They are doing well and they're deserving what they are doing. But still for me, Liam is a fantastic, nice surprise at every race. Andrea did a great job because Andrea... At the horrible first motto and I think that is still in that condition where it's so easy to uh, go down you know and to to think uh, ah just, so they someone is right when they say that I'm here only because this guy is injured the other is injured and to start uh, stop believing in yourself uh, and lose uh, a little bit uh, the the situation, the control of the situation. But the second motto Andrea proved like in Finland because Finland to me it, it stays the best uh, race of Andrea of the season that is deserving the place where he, he is and when Ben said he, he had a ride uh, champion, a champion ride in that uh, in that second motto is true because he was contending with uh, uh, Simon Langenfelder at the victory till the end really like a fighter and don't counting on points so now, the number 80 has 80 points on the second in the standings. So I think that these uh, numbers are uh, is a good point.
1: Definitely agree with all that, mate. The program's good and it sort of elevates everyone around them because it's such an ultra competitive sort of framework, I guess. You look at the Yamaha MX2 and the Nestan MX2 and they're sort of like little teams within teams, these big factory sides because obviously most of the guys are all doing different programs. You know, they don't have huge interactions with each other because they're all doing their own thing and they're all... Focusing on winning and beating each other, so it creates a pretty interesting environment, I guess. When you walk through the paddock and see the reactions and the relationships and how they all pan out over weekends, is that something you definitely notice?
2: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's like that. It's uh, it's absolutely like that, and uh, uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's a di diff- I mean, a different year compared to the, to to the previous seasons. Uh, uh, we also don't have uh, two. Uh, clear contenders in the title that was quite the light motive in the past seasons because you had always had someone that was battling with Iago. That was the, the, the basic uh, light motive of the, this season. It was before uh, 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 Prado, or uh, I mean Prado was battling with Jonas, and then you had the Renault, and then you had the Vial. But it always was the fight was with Iago it was always a, a two riders duel with the others like primary uh, riders and fighters, but not really title contenders. Honestly, without injury, of course, Iago showed clearly that it was the fastest rider with the better skills. Is also the most experienced. If you take the experience of uh, uh, Iago, is probably the same experience that all the rest of the riders in the top 10 class, uh, altogether, uh, same uh, for the number of victories, number of podiums and number of races in MX2. So, of course, Iago is deserving to be the fastest and the best rider there. Unfortunately for him, for another year, he's not uh, chasing the battle at the end of the season, but uh, that uh, looks like his uh, private history. Uh, I want to say that this kind of track Udevalla fits very well to the Italian riders because in past uh, as I said at the beginning we had six victories for uh, Antonio Cairoli that are a lot as uh, for uh, Stefan Everts, but also uh, Andrea Damo won there uh, with the Honda 150 European Championship, don't forget that we had this few years ago uh, Marco Madi won with the 300 uh, EMX championship uh, (laughs) as also uh, another rider like Samuele Bernardini won with the EMX 125 and EMX 300 so looks like he's a track that really fits to the Italian riders so three more years that's not so bad.
1: Yeah, mate, well said. And just, Ben, for you, mate, any final thoughts on MX2 and Sweden and Udavala? Are you kind of happy to have it in the rear vision now, mate, after your comments before? And how excited are you for Arnhem, mate? Uh, Have you got some predictions for us? Are you going hurlings and, say, Lucas Coonan, maybe, if he's all right from injury? Or, you know, there could be interesting results coming up from Elzinger. So I reckon it's pretty hard to go past Langenfelder, though, mate. So just a couple there for you.
0: (laughs) I don't know, man. I'm thinking Dutch Forests. Uh, it's on the back, on the back of the, on the yeah. back of the shirt. I think, <laughs> I think it's a time. I think, I think it's time to see, uh, see the one-one from the Liamski. I think, uh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's that's what I think. Like he's, he's, if he's determined to make his life hell, this is going to be perfect for him because, yeah, for sure, I think that's uh, that's going to be how it is. Kuna, I mean, just have a quick, a quick little moment about Lucas Coonan's crash. I mean, it takes a slight change of angle. And it's a spitting image of the crash that paralyzed Danny Chandler. Like, it's, it's, I've seen that crash not long ago, just researching things and like, oh my Lord, how lucky is he to even get up and out, away from that because it's such a savage crash. Sadly, we didn't get it. Um, oh, so I say sadly, it's a crash, so you didn't really want to watch it, but you know, it's, it's not a film that uh, we got hold of ourselves, but uh, certainly it, it went around and um, it was a horrible horrible moment there. Um,
1: and, and he wanted to race
0: him. on Sunday too, didn't he? I I can believe it. I can believe it. It's such a tough kid. But yeah, sorry, Luiz. Can I
2: say something? Sure. uh, um, I was uh, shooting pictures in front of uh, the pit lane uh, at that corner, just right in front of uh, where is the the, the breaking uh, point. uh, And I was standing there for two minutes, three minutes, shooting some pictures. Uh, Then I I wasn't feeling at ease because... uh, um, not because I'm a magician, but only because Alfarizzi come a little bit uh, further, he jumped out uh, the first berm, and but he made it easily on the second one. Also, because he's usually really slow, so it wasn't that problem to cornering on the second berm. But and I decided to move two to three meters uh, on my left side, and then I start shooting, uh, and uh, I had. I had the chance. I mean, to to no, 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 I don't know if it's the chance or not. But I was shooting at uh, uh, Lucas while he was coming, uh, and uh, I have the sequence of pictures. While you see that there is a problem in the braking, problem due to the to the speed. It was uh, really fast. It was yeah. braking probably a little later, or coming a little bit quicker than the previous laps, uh, and he wasn't able to turn on on the first burn. So he was going straight, but then when he was hitting the second berm, instead of uh, cornering, he just jumped straightly high, direction sky, not uh, direction uh, front, left or or, or Mm. right. So he went up really high. And... Normally, in this case, uh, while I'm shooting, uh, due to the fact that I'm not really a pro, I'm standing there uh, with my open mouth and I'm not able to do anything. But this time, uh, for the first time, I was able to just follow with the camera uh, him, his body, and, and shooting uh, while he was crashing. But then, while he, he touched the, the ground, uh, I felt the bump, even if the bike was still flying. In the moment that he, he, he touched the ground, the bike was still flying, but I and saw the noise, the other bikes. But I felt the noise of his body uh, coming on the on the ground and hitting the ground. And with that angle, uh, my blood was frozen. And uh, yeah. I was honestly, I told him uh, and I told to his father too, I was sure that uh, something really bad was happening. Also because then he lost, uh, he wasn't unconscious. So he was unconscious and his body was just uh, uh, moving in uh, in right a strange goal. way. And yeah. then when he stopped, it uh, was in a completely. Imagine that his uh, right boot touched his goggles in the crash so just to give you an idea and he, he, he like uh, hit with the goggles his right knee during the crash so his body was completely like uh, you know uh, i don't know a, a puppy flying yeah. yeah and 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 he was lying on the ground in a strange position and i just uh, said something some bad words uh uh, maybe in English even, I don't know why and then I, I was uh, going away and I left, I passed the next 10 minutes uh, that I don't remember very well where I was and what I did uh, but I know that uh, I, I wanted to throw away, I was completely uh, disgusted but not about the ambient or the whatever on the sport, about what, that was, what happened, because I was sure that it was lying on the ground and I didn't know if it was alive or not honestly, yeah. I saw the people coming to to help him, uh, and that wasn't honestly that professional. I have also to say this: uh, they were quite brutal uh, on turning him, and and I just went away. I didn't want to see and to, of course, shoot any of the pictures because it was really horrible. Yeah. Then, when I saw him walking after ten minutes, uh, I was like, "Oh my god." And I was talking with him in, during the dinner. I was talking with him um, in the morning after while he was touching his, his neck uh, because it was painful, uh, but he wanted to ride. He said to Valentina Ragni and to the others, I want to ride. Why I cannot ride? So just to tell you the kind of uh, character that uh, those kids have uh, is wow. incredible. Yes, incredible. It Yes, heart, heart of granite and a body like
0: plasticine, definitely that's what it yes. needs. It? <laughs> Crazy yeah. stuff, so yeah. And uh, as, as the uh, we deviated there a little bit, but yes, yeah, Ed, I mean, I think uh, my prediction is Liam Everett's for the MX2. Um, and MXGP, ah, uh, I'd love to commentate on one of those Come amazing on. Erling's charges from the back. I'd love to be the commentator <laughs> that's just singing his praises and all that stuff. I'd love, I'd love to see that. I don't know if he's quite there yet, um, but then. You know, I, I can't see a really massive Sandmaster in amongst the rest of them. So, you know, I, I really don't know. I mean, uh, uh, let me just quickly bring up Lommel here. I mean, uh, Lommel was... Hebron, Prado. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hebron, <laughs> <Yeah>. Prado. <laughs> 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 yeah. why, why did I even have to look? Yeah. <laughs> um, see what's going to scare a lot of Sandy Bumps. He's going to make them move out of the way. Yeah. Um, he could maybe see a bit of Glenn Cotenhoff at uh, the front. You never know. He could uh, produce it in front of his and home. And Jeffrey, yeah, Calvin as well could well be a contender. So, yeah, I think they are podium contenders, but um, I'm I'm going to pull for a hurling's win, number 104, that That'll do me. What about you, Lorenzo? Uh,
2: I'm honestly with the mix two. I think that Liam uh, have a great opportunity in in Arnhem to show uh, his skills on the sand. As I said at the beginning, uh, I would be not surprised to see Rick uh, on the one of the step of the podium. Even if it's not uh, easy, I think that the crash of Lucas uh, will take a moment to recover really just on, on the pain, uh, uh, not nothing more. But of course, the kid is, is savage, so he can do whatever. I think that Andrea will not be so intimidated uh, on the sand, even if it's really not his, his kind of preferred soil. And I'm waiting for see C- if Simon can contend the victory, and he can, uh, to, to Liam. But what concerns MXGP, uh, uh, I think that uh, another victory from uh, Jeffrey this year is quite possible because uh, it's uh, it's able to do it now. For sure, it will be a difficult race for Team once again this year. But uh, the two three contenders for uh, for uh, Mister um, the Bullet, uh, of course. Can be fever, can be Prado. Koldenov can fight for the podium easily. Um, it will depend a lot also about the starts because it's not that wide track. Uh, mm. I was speaking with a lot of the riders. Some of them went there for some international race or Dutch championship stuff like that. But it's not that kind of really wide track. It's a little bit tricky. I don't know the flow. If uh, can be really good and the flow helps only. The super sand rider, the, the the specialist. As you take Prado is one of the best sand rider. In uh, Lommel wasn't at ease at all with the new layout, uh, with this uh, uh, on and off throttle all the time, uh, digging a lot, going deep. Is not really the kind of track that he prefers. Uh, just a little thing about uh, Jeffrey uh, that was really funny. I was uh, congratulating him for the victory in the mud in Germany. And mostly for the start, because that was the key in Germany. And he said, yeah, but I think that they put on my bike Prado's engine. So that's why I was so good on the start. And so I was laughing a lot. But then I was catching him on Sunday saying, I think that they put back your engine on the bike. And he said, yes, definitely. Yes, I'm back on my start. So that was just to have a little fun because uh Jeffrey is able also to be a little bit fun now and uh without sure. pressure without anything every time he is he, hurt and he is back maybe I'm wrong but it looks a better person so I hope he's like this mostly for the rest of his career and his life because uh, otherwise uh it's not so easy and it's not so funny you know when you are not uh really There's not so many people around you that really loves you and like you, so it looks like every time he's back, he's uh, a better person. I think it's enough for him with injuries, and he can just uh, now get on and uh, and 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 end his career on a high without uh, without any more injuries. But uh, yeah, it was funny, and it was funny to play on this easily, and it was him uh, doing it, so that was nice.
1: Yeah, nice one, mate. And yeah, before we let you guys go, we'll just give a shout out to the sponsors in AS3 Performance Parts, the home of aftermarket motocross and enduro parts, from hardware and protection parts, including skid plates and radio braces, to performance cooling parts, including silicon radiator hoses and oversized impeller kits. AS3 also have a huge range of brake, clutch, and gear levers, all with different features and adjustability. Check them out online at as3performance.co.uk. And as we always say, Lorenzo, Kawasaki Motors UK will be very pleased to announce the arrival of the KLX 140R range as we've given them plenty of coverage with Fevra's impressive streak that's now sadly ended. But yeah, the easy-to-ride KLX 140R lineup, 44cc engine plus suspension and push button electric start making for great trailblazers. The KLX 140R machines come in three different sizes, ranging from Junior's first tentative steps to push. The door wide open on adult riding highly regarding KLX 140R range is ready and willing to add fun and enjoyment 2023. Contact your local off-road dealership for more information. All right, thanks again, lads, for joining us. Really appreciate it. It was a pleasure to have a chat. I'm sure the fans will enjoy it. So cheers again and have a great weekend. Don't forget Kawasaki, won the MX2 qualifier, Kevin Horgold,
0: baby. <laughs> thanks, right <mate>. Scandinavian blood. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Ciao, Lorenzo. Ciao, ciao, Ben. Big pleasure. See you soon. You, you, there you ciao.